As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. There's no crying in baseball! I ate his liver with some father beans. I skinned. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change! And welcome to another episode of Your Next Favorite Movie. I am your host, Josh G. And today I'm joined by director, producer, writer, and host of one of my favorite horror podcasts, Postmortem. Please welcome Joe Russo to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. And I feel like that's that's a, a little presumptuous because I would say more co-host. Co-host. You're right. You're right. I think my favorite <laughs> it episode called, it is called the AMA. Post, Postmortem with Mick Garris. It is true. That is true. That is fair. That is fair. But my favorite episodes are AMAs and you take the lead on those. So, uh, well, I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, they're fun. They were something we introduced, you know, kind of uh, a couple years into the show's life cycle. And they, they really do seem to be something our fans really appreciate. Uh, you know, when Fangoria at the time we were working with them, uh, they pitched us the idea of doing the AMAs. Mick and I figured we'd probably do it a couple times and we'd run out of things to talk about. And, you know, we've, we've been, we've been doing them strong since 2019. So, uh, you know, every other week we've been getting, getting good questions from the fans. So it's been, it's been fun to do. And it's been fun to like be more involved in the show as, as opposed to just the behind the scenes of it. And, uh, you know, and get, get to interact more with our, our, you know, friends of the podcast, such as yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know you are currently working on something. I don't know how much you can say. So you want to talk about that in, in the vaguest of terms? <laughs> it would be have to be in the, the absolute vaguest of terms because okay. it has not been announced yet. But uh, um, I did just write uh, a, a movie that has been in production over the last uh, month or so. And uh, they actually just wrapped principal photography late, late, late last night. And uh, yeah, so so it is officially moving into to post-production uh, aside from like a couple scheduled pickups. So excited about that. It's it's you know, this one will be interesting. Um, it was it was kind of the spec script that put us on the map as screenwriters, me and my writing partner. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's been really cool to see it come to life. Uh, the footage I've seen so far seems really promising. So you know, fingers and toes crossed. All right. And I want to, I want to, I'm going to give a thank you from my wife, even though she didn't say this, but I'm going to thank you personally from her because of people like you. And I'm sure you're familiar with Rebecca McKendry. I will sit back and watch movies on Lifetime with her, but it's only when there's certain names attached to them. So I watched uh, the All Bear Nightmare for that one reason and one reason only. Uh, <laughs> Well, I appreciate that. Uh, what, what, what did you, what, dare I ask what you thought? <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, I have preconceived notions going into Lifetime movies, so, you know, sure. I had to get past that, but I enjoyed it for what it was. Yeah. In fact, in fact, going back to AMA, after one of those, I remember I had tweeted out, release the Russo cut, because you had talked about this director's cut version of it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. There, there, there was a director's cut. I, I mean, honestly, most of the changes would be, be pretty boring though there there was one kind of gnarly shot that got cut which which i wish was still in the movie and i really don't think it would have been that intense for a lifetime but it was basically a uh 
very, very tight close-up of a hypodermic needle and it rack focused to our uh, lead actress's eyes as she like panicked and realized she was about to get stabbed by it. Uh, it's a cool shot. And, you know, that's, that's probably the one thing I missed the most from, from the director's cut. So, I mean, you know, it's uh, releasing the Russo cut is probably not going to happen on that one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I appreciate you checking it out. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was, we had to work within, uh, you know, like like Rebecca when when she did hers, you know, we had to work within, you know, pretty stringent confines creatively with with the lifetime formula. But I think she and I both found ways to kind of push the boundaries a little bit and, and and tell stories that are a little edgier than than your normal lifetime fare. So, you know, was 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 happy about that, and I think it turned out really nicely. You know, so it's a fun little watch. Yeah, I agree. Did you have to change the name of yours like she did? I know she yeah, talked about I, having to change our, Well, not, not, not as badly as hers. Uh, okay. I, hers, hers like completely changed. Um, it could have been much worse. Let's put it that way. Ours was the shooting title was the Op Hair, and it just became the Op Hair Nightmare. Okay. Um, so, which, you know, I thought was, was rather amusing because, you know, my, my first produced credit uh, as, as, a, as a producer was Nightmare Cinema, uh, the horror anthology I collaborated on with Mick Garris. And one of the producers on that movie gave me the opportunity to write and direct the au pair. Uh, so, so the fact that it got Nightmare stuck on it felt like a, <laughs> a weird direct lineage between the two movies, you know? Um, oh, okay, yeah. So, so but, but uh, no, I've, I've definitely had some some worse title changes uh than than that one so <laughs> yeah yeah that that's at least close you're right that just added a little bit yeah yeah I, i've never heard rebecca say what the original title was but i found a poster that had an alternate title and i'm not mm. sure if that was the original title or not but yeah i think it was because I, I remember it was listed on imdb for a long time under the original title and then it changed uh yeah i mean you know it's it's you know our net our Netflix movie um, that we wrote that that you know hopefully will come out in in either later this year or early next. Uh, that just had a, a big title change. That one was was a little bit more painful because we really liked the original script title and and, and the new title's good. It's just you know it is what it is. Sometimes like the marketing department has to figure out the thing that's going to sell the movie the easiest to the largest global audience, and you know sometimes that's not. Uh, what, what you originally envisioned as an artist. So, <laughs> right, right. It's, it's not show fun, it's show business. That's uh, it. That's it. Yep. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. So, let's get into it. We're going to go back to 1984, talk about Ivan Reitman's Ghostbusters. Ghosts, they're real, they're here, and someone's got to stop them. It's a job for professionals, it's a job for the Ghostbusters. Hey, anybody see a ghost? They're the best, the brave, the only. Ghostbusters, coming to save the world this summer. We're ready to believe you. Who you gonna call? Rated PG. All right, so when did you first see this? Well, I was born in 1984. So uh, I was born six months after this movie came out. So I, I did not see it in 1984. Uh, but I sure as heck fire saw it uh, as soon as I humanly possibly can, because there are photos of me as young as like three, four years old 
dressed up in Ghostbuster costumes and wearing the proton pack. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I would say it's got to be late 80s. I couldn't specifically tell you the first time I saw it because the movie is just like ingrained in my DNA. You know, I think it was probably a combination of seeing the movie and the cartoon being as popular as it was in the late 80s, you know. So to me, it's like, I don't know where my love of Ghostbusters begins or ends. Like, is it, was it the toys? Was it the movie? Was it the show? Was it, you know, it was like it all kind of fueled this, this fire. But I do know that in 1989, I was in the theater at five years old for Ghostbusters 2. So clearly it made enough of an impression that at five years old, I was going to see a PG-13 with my family uh, you know, in, in the movie theater. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I was born in 85, so I'm right after you. And so I definitely did. I don't remember when I saw this either. I could not tell you. And I did not yeah. see Ghostbusters 2 in theaters, so I hadn't seen it at that point. I do remember very distinctly uh, the librarian scaring me at one point as a child. So uh, yeah, the librarian ghost. Um so, so, you know, I, I know it was, I was young enough and impressionable enough that that scene was, was, and, you know, in my opinion, still is scary. I, you know, but I think it was one of those things where my parents were very into Halloween, the holiday, uh, <laughs> the movie I would grow to become very big into, but, but they were very big into Halloween, the holiday so much so that like, even before I was born, they would like do all sorts of like big elaborate, you know, trick-or-treating kind of opportunities with their house. And so, you know, I was, I was always really big into that holiday and, and I feel like Ghostbusters was one of those things that just kind of fueled that love. So it was like, I was scared of the librarian ghosts, but I was also enamored by it at the same time, you know? Uh, And, and I think that that's, that is, I think, the thing that was probably most attractive to me about the show and the series was there was all these monsters and ghosts and uh, the designs were so terrific and so fantastic. And so, you know, uh, in retrospect now as an adult, I know cocaine fueled uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, you know, it's but it's just like it, it, it really like, you know, it was it was it was it's a, it, it was a special um, magical moments in my childhood that uh, I just fell in love with ghosts and goblins. <laughs> okay, and so, and we talked about this before we start recording, but just in case someone out there is listening that has not seen Ghostbusters, why don't you give a synopsis for what it is? Well, I'm I'm shocked that <laughs> that that would happen, but you know. It was funny the other day I was wearing this shirt, which I'm wearing right now, which is a Fright Rags Ghostbusters t-shirt, uh, you know, plug for Fright Rags. Um, <laughs> then uh, hopefully an unofficial sponsor of your podcast now. And, uh, and, you know, so I was, I was wearing this and I got off of an elevator and uh, there was probably a girl who was like five years old and she saw it. And, and I got off the elevator and I hear her turn to her mom and she goes, Ghostbusters. And I'm like, it still works. Like, you know, like it's still, it's still out there. It's still a powerful brand. It's still speaking to people, uh, which, you know, you know, credit to the last two movies for that. Um, But yeah, Ghostbusters is a story of three disgraced scientists uh, who get kicked out of their New York university. And, uh, 
you know, on a hunch, on a scientific hunch, go into business uh, on their own to become paranormal investigators and eliminators. Uh, they literally, it's in the title, they become <laughs> ghostbusters. Um, and as they are trying to rid New York City of all the, the ghosts and goblins that are haunting the streets, uh, a, a kind of big global threat emerges and they become the last defense for, for mankind against this, uh, you know, cosmic horror threat. <laughs> How's that? So, yeah, no, you did good. And I'm ha- two things before we move on. One, I covered ha- John Carpenter's Halloween and ranked the Halloween franchise. And I did that with Ben from Fright Rags last year. So awesome. In a way, he is an unofficial sponsor of the show, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what, did, what did he pick as his like top? What did you oh, pick as your top? Oh, see me? Yeah, I'm the, no. Everyone knows if you know Ben, if you're familiar with him at all, you know Halloween's his favorite movie since he was like four years old, catching yeah. it on a TV viewing. He says so. Uh, so it has to be John Carpenter's Halloween. This is number one. Yes. But- Me as an impressionable teen who didn't get into Halloween as early as I got into Freddy and Jason, so I just thought yeah. they were cooler. I went with the scream ripoff Halloween H two O as a controversial choice as my number one. <laughs> You know, what's funny, uh, you know, we're going to lose all of your audience. Probably that's my, that's, that's my number two. I think, I think H2O is the best Halloween sequel. So I like, I like, I find something to like in almost all of them. Uh, Cause it's honestly, Halloween is my favorite horror movie as an adult. Yeah. I, I think, I think H2O is really like, it's, 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 it's a great story. It's another great Jamie Lee Curtis performance. The dialogue is super sharp, thanks to Kevin Williamson. There's like great, you know, peripheral side characters in it. And, and you know, Michael is, he's intense. It's Hitchcockian suspense. It's like, it go, it's everything that like harkens back to the original movies that I, that I really liked that was in that movie. So I, I agree with you. I like H2O a lot. Yeah, good. Um, I love to hear it. Cause, and I mentioned on there, I think, the story that Lori is going with is believable that she moved literally to the other side of the country as far as she could yeah. without leaving the country to get away, which yeah. makes sense instead of just staying there the whole time as you, after you've dealt with this. Yeah. So. Or, or also the awkward, like gave birth to an eight year old <laughs> within 10 years. Like, like there's a whole, you know, and then also disappeared or died in a car crash. The, the, the four, five, six mythology is very yeah. clunky to me. Yeah. Um, it was very hard, but, but this felt more realistic to me, uh, even more so than I felt, you know, 2018 with her staying and becoming like, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to fight this guy who might not ever come back. You know, like I, I there was, there's something about the H2O setup that I, I bought into a little bit more. You know, and I know this isn't a podcast about H2O, and here we are going off about <laughs> H2O, but you brought it up. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I'll take credit for that. I, I really do think that if you could go back and have John Carpenter rescore that movie and mix it in, I think it would, like all the haters who like other specific movies instead, I really genuinely think they would rethink that movie in a big way. So that's my that's my hot take on H two O. Hey, uh, <laughs> not hot on this show. <laughs> you know, All right, hey, you're in good company here. But let's go with this. The way I actually decided to ask you to come on, and that was you describing this movie as boring as possible. 
<laughs> so <laughs> that was the tweet I saw that said, wait a minute. I could do it. I've never done a Ghostbusters episode. Do you remember what you said? I can't even remember what you said now. Yeah, actually, no, I, I, I there was a, a thing going around Twitter where you had to describe your favorite movie as boring as possible. And so I tweeted three scientists lend against a family home at 19% to open up a business that gets in trouble with the Environmental Protection Agency. (laughs) Which, if you know Ghostbusters, is actually like a really accurate description of Ghostbusters and also a super boring sounding one. (laughs) Exactly. And and it was perfect. And and a lot of times when I see people throw out there, even anytime I see those favorite movie things, I go for it. Cause that's what I'm here for. I'm here to promote positivity. I want to talk to people about their favorites and I want to talk with the ones that are most passionate about it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, go, I think, I think it's no secret. I think just about everybody knows that knows me knows that Ghostbusters is my favorite movie. Uh, I mean, so much so that I feel like in the, in the run up to uh, 2016 and, and the 2021 movies that like, people would send me any news update, any, anything revolving around those movies and, and either, you know, use it to roast me or use it to just goose me or whatever. Like (laughs) (laughs) uh, it is a franchise that I am very, very passionate about, you know, and, and I have, you know, I have thoughts on, on the, the subsequent movies, which we can get into too. Um, But, you know, look, I, I think it's like, it was just, it was a magical moment in movie making because it's a movie that like on paper should not have worked you know it it was a movie that like literally only got made because of the star power of these these guys coming off of saturday night live you know and it was you know i don't know if you're aware of this but like they had almost no time to shoot this movie like they barely had time to do all the special effects in time for for their june release date like they they made the whole movie like within a year you know which is which is crazy to think yeah yeah very crazy (laughs) especially with the level of special effects and sophistication of the special effects uh that are in this movie you know so and i i you know i just i love like the whole mythology behind it now too here's here's the thing that's great about ghostbusters is like as i've grown up with ghostbusters from the toys and the cartoons to being an adult the movie the more i've rewatched it the more i've found in the movie you know like when i was a kid it was fun to watch funny people bust ghosts you know it was fun <laughs> to watch peter vankman get slimed by slimer right it was fun to watch them marshmallow fall all over the bad guys and you know people turn into dogs and like th- those things were fun as a kid but the humor and the sophistication of the humor as i grew up you know, it grew up with me, you know? Uh, and so I've been, began to unlock the movie uh, in much different ways as, as I grew up with it, you know? Um, and I think that's why it continues to be my favorite movie. Uh, why I will always watch it whenever it's on TV or, you know, if I, if, you know, a couple months ago uh, when Ivan Reitman passed away, I, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was like, I'm going to watch the Ghostbusters tonight. You know, like it's, it's a movie that if I pull it out, I will watch it. You know, um, there's no, there's, you don't, you're not going to have to twist my arms <laughs> to get me to watch Ghostbusters. I was, I was, a little, you know, I was, I was kind of especially and selfishly a little bummed about Ivan Reitman's passing because I literally had like the week that he passed away. I had a meeting with Ghost Corps 
his his production company. <laughs> and yeah. uh, su- suffice it to say, it got pushed. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. The meeting did end up happening several several weeks after, but you know, I was really excited about like getting in in you know with the company that made you know, with the, the director's company who made my favorite movie of all time. That was, that was something right. that was very appealing to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, still, still an accomplishment, but like one I, I missed by like three or four days. Yeah, uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah I can see that. That's kind of rough. I can see that. <laughs> I was like, I, I said to my writing partner, I was like, I killed Ivan Reitman. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, oh, I, man. Okay, Just let's so, hope I don't get called into uh, Amblin anytime soon, because you know that means Spielberg will probably die too. Uh, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's not go. Not- <laughs> I'm just like I'm just like a cursed. Like I kill all my favorite filmmakers. Oh, uh, putting the bad juju out in the world. Oh goodness. Apparently, apparently. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's why I think that movie, this movie's meant so much to me. Is is it's it's I've grown up with it, um, and it's grown up with me uh and and you know so i i have such a appreciation now for the humor and i think the thing that you know for me has always stood out about the first two movies versus the more recent the you know at least the 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 2016 remake is the they're very much science fiction horror movies the first two and and the comedy you just happen to have the funniest people in the world at the time in those you know horror science yep. fiction movies right whereas the 2016 movie is a comedy that has like horror and science fiction in it right and so like they they literally inverse the formula to what i believe a ghostbusters movie is at its dna you know and i do think that that's something that jason reitman flipped back with the more recent one which you know felt more tonally in line with the first two movies, you know, though I kind of wish it didn't lean so much on the fan service. (laughs) I don't know how you felt about the subsequent movies, but uh, uh, that's, that's kind of where my, my takes are on, on those two pictures. Okay. So this is going to be difficult because you saw Ghostbusters 2 in theater. So I know it's going to have a special place for you, but yeah. Have you ever thought about, if you had gotten to do your own sequel, obviously later in life, but you could have done it in the 80s, what yeah. you would have liked to have seen, or maybe it came after part two, maybe you thought about. You know, I mean, I definitely thought about, you know, where the Ghostbusters could go after part two. I mean, to me, part two is is part of the mythology. You know, I think, I think part two gets a bum rap because it does the thing that franchise movies in the late 80s were doing kind of across the board, you know, like, uh, I'll give you an example of another kind of disliked late 80s movie that I think did the same thing, which is Rocky Five, right? Like, you know, the Ghostbusters at the end of the first movie, they've saved the world. Like, there's literally nowhere further up that they can <laughs> go, right? And so I, I actually think it was really smart of them to be like, well, what if they had to go out of business because of like tax stuff, you know? <laughs> Uh, in between the two movies and like we find the characters separate and like at the bottom again and they have to like they have to build back up you know and I think I think Rocky 5 did that same thing where it was like Rocky literally ended the Cold War 
you know, and at the end of Rocky four, like <laughs> there's no, there's nowhere else for him to go. So they had to do, they had to take things away from him for Rocky five. And I think in an era of Reagan excess, you know, and, and, uh, and, you know, wall street, uh, you know, greed is good and winning is everything. I think people kind of rejected those ideas initially with both of those movies. I think both of those movies are actually criminally underrated, you know, because I think that they, I think they actually made smart creative decisions for the stories and the characters to, to give them room to grow uh, and places for those characters to go. I just think like at that moment in time, they were probably unsatisfying because they weren't the exact thing that people were looking for uh which you know has has become a uh i think a, a an inverse problem with movies today which is filmmakers are trying to give us exactly what we're looking for and we get bored with that you know yeah. so like I, I i personally think ghostbusters 2 for me strikes a really good balance uh of of being like okay maybe for the adults at the time it, it didn't strike the right chords because it didn't give them exactly what they wanted the way they wanted it. But for, for me as a kid, you know, I, I probably watched that movie just as much as the first movie because I loved watching the gang get back together again. You know, I love the idea that Peter Venkman was a talk show host, you know, on like a really cable access uh, type of, of show. You know, I love that they were doing birthday parties. Like, I mean, what kid at that time didn't imagine the Ghostbusters coming to their birthday yeah, party? Right. You yeah. know? Um, <laughs> and then, like, as an adult, it's so funny to watch them be like, play second fiddle to He Man. You know? <laughs> you know? So, so the, I, 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 you know, I, I give Ghostbusters 2 a lot of credit for being underrated and, and smarter than I think people give it a lot of credit for. So, but yeah, but, but in terms of, I guess, getting back to your, your question, like, what would I have done? I mean, I would, I would want, if I was going to like open it up past that, I, I would, I would look past Ghostbusters too. And, you know, there's a lot of really good comic storylines that I feel like are, are good, you know, for, for uh, mining, you know, mo potential movies. The, there was a video game that was very good in the late aughts. Uh, that was a really great kind of spiritual third movie. Um, so there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of actual like, IP within the Ghostbusters lore that I think opened up places you could go with it. All right. So now you, you've mentioned it briefly, how they flipped the formula when doing it, but what are your overall thoughts on the remake that they did? You know, look, I, I think um, my opinion is I actually really like the actresses they cast uh, for the remake. I mean, like individually I'm fans of all of them, you know, like I, I uh, I've, I've always enjoyed you know, the, the SNL performers uh, that they cast from it, you know, I, you know, and honestly, like if I was going to like fan cast a Ghostbusters movie, I probably would put Kristen Wiig in it. Cause I, I think she's one of the funniest comedians of, of this millennium, you know? So I'm about to uh, let you do that. What's that? I'm about to let you do that. Oh, great. Uh, so, so, you know, it's like, to me, they got there was the the casting. I actually think was was really strong. I, you know, to me, that the issue I've always had with that movie is, it's not it's 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 a comedy first and a horror sci fi second. And like that's where I think it's like it was it was trying so hard to be funny, 
Uh, whereas like, I feel like the first two movies were confident enough in their performers to just let them be funny, you know? And so that's, that's kind of where my, my strain is on that, that movie, you know? So it's, but I also know that like it opened Ghostbusters up to a lot of new people. I know there's a lot of, uh, you know, young girls who, who were excited to see ghost ghost women, you know, women as Ghostbusters and that like, they could finally see themselves as Ghostbusters on screen. And, you know, so I think, I think that's great. You know, I just like, I wish there had been a world where you got that plus the tone of the original movies that, that would have been like my ideal Ghostbusters uh, reboot, I guess, you know, I, I, I like, I almost wish you could take the, you know, I I think the other thing I, I had trouble with too, is I never thought, that Ghostbusters was a movie that needed to be remade, you know, like I could have very much seen four women in another city, you know, that, that are basically like, Hey, we're down on our luck. Let's start a business. Let's franchise the rights from the Ghostbusters and open up shop in this town. You know, like to me, there was a way to reboot it without throwing away the legacy of the first two movies. Um, and I think, you know, and, and, and so I think you could have had your cake and eaten it too. Um, so, you know, and I think, I think the, the more recent movie Ghostbusters Afterlife uh, tries to do that a little bit more. Um, and I think it strikes a, a better balance of what I would have hoped uh, we would have gotten from 2016. Okay. I'm glad you brought up Afterlife because let me ask you this. There, they've announced the sequel. What are you hoping to get out of that sequel? I mean, honestly, I don't know. I mean, like Afterlife was, um, there were things about Afterlife that were real surprises to me. You know, I never would have, if someone had told me like, hey, they're going to do a Ghostbusters about like a single mom and her kids out on a farm like i never would have guessed that's like the direction they would have gone with the next ghostbusters movie you know like um but you know i love the first half of that movie i thought i thought it was great i i loved the actress who played egon's granddaughter i i thought you know she did a, a great harold ramus tribute uh you know really embodied him i you know i love paul rudd in the movie it was great seeing him in there i mean like so, so there are things like I like about it a lot. You know, the reason I haven't revisited it um, wasn't because I didn't enjoy the experience of watching the movie. I, I did. I just found the second half to be a little too much of a retread of the first movie. And it's like, if I want to watch the first movie, the first movie is still there. You know, I really, really wish like the ghost that was, you know, Egon was trying to stop and, and you know, prevent from this town from boiling over was something other than Gozer, you know, like, you know, but that's, that's me, you know? So now that they've gotten that out of the way, now that they've established these new characters and there's going to be, you know, we kind of know who will be at the firehouse. Like it'll be this, this family kind of like picking up the legacy and Ernie Hudson financing it, which I love, you know, I'm excited about the possibilities to see where they go with it. You know, I, 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 you know, I think at this now that they've kind of like gotten the, the baggage out of the way of the, you know, Force Awakens-esque retread of the first movie, um, I'm excited to see like 
where they can go from here. And I hope they push into new directions. You know, I don't want to see Gozer again. I don't want to see Marshmallow Men. I, I don't want to, I don't even want to see Vigo the Carpathian again. Like I want to see, there's so many ghosts in the, the, the toys, the cartoon, the, the comic books. There's so many stories that they can pull from. So it would be fun to see it go into some new directions. Now you talked about a possible fan recast. I want to know what you would do. Like not this legacy sequel. And yeah. you can you can do like they did with the all women. You could do a new male cast or do a combination where they it's co-ed Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would I would do a co-ed Ghostbusters. You know, like I, there's a part of me that's like. I love, like, honestly, two, two people that, like, I would have probably plucked are already in Ghostbusters movies, which is Paul Rudd and Kristen Wiig. You know, like, I think they they walk a nice line of dry, awkward humor and sarcasm, which I think fits very much within the mold of the humor that Bill Murray and, and Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis brought to the table. You know, so like, I, you know, I, I couldn't necessarily say like, who are the other uh, two adults that fill out, you know, the, the suits per se, but like, um, you know, I, I, I feel like Paul Rudd and, and Kristen Wiig would have definitely been in my, uh, you know, alternate 2016 Ghostbusters opening up a new franchise and continuing the legacy of the first two movies uh, sequel. That's fair. Not, I think you're right. I think I like both of them, and I think they do ride that line just just the right way. So I think you're right on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think Kate McKinnon like has potential. I think she's she's like in a different movie than everyone else in 2016, which is in, you know is it was interesting and and amusing. Uh, but like, I think she can be reined in, and I think she could she she could be somebody pretty interesting. Uh, but like. Again, I look back to that first movie as like, a, 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 you know, if that's if that's like the the Rosetta Stone of the tone, right? Like Kristen Wiig and Paul Rudd, I think speak to that tone a little bit more. So, you know, so I, I'd probably lean in that direction over, you know, like a like a Seth Rogen casting or something like that. I I, I do wonder <laughs> because he's you know out in the the lore. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll probably see Oscar, uh, Sigourney Weaver's kid from Ghostbusters 2. I can't imagine he doesn't pop up at some point in, in the franchise, you know? Uh, so, so, you know, I'm, I'm sure they'll do that as some sort of fan service. So, uh, you know, it, it would, it'll be interesting to see if that character emerges in, in these subsequent sequels. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I would think they have to bring that in at some point, but. Here's what we're going to do to finish it off. And that's get I want you to give that final pitch, whether they haven't seen Ghostbusters or maybe they just haven't watched it in a while and that, that give them that reason to go revisit like you do. So the reason I think Ghostbusters is worth revisiting if you haven't seen it in a long time uh, or if you haven't seen it, period, is the thing that I think, you know, as, as an adult now, as someone who is is out in in Hollywood trying to make a movie and every movie that I make is literally like starting a new business, I can relate to the struggles uh, that these three characters have 
of, of literally launching their own business. Like, you know, get, getting inspired, getting that loan, uh, finding the right location, you know, getting set up, making, making the hires that they need to hire, expanding, uh, you know, their, their, you know, their team roster, um, I, I can relate, you know, finding an accountant. <laughs> uh, there's, there's all sorts of things like as an adult now who is like, you know, trying my best to be a professional. Uh, I, can, I can relate to the movie on a, on a, on a whole new level. Uh, so, so that would be my say is, you know, like if, if you're, you know, in your uh, 30s or 40s and you're, you're struggling to be an adult like me, uh, I, think, I think there's a lot of... Um, Catharticness that you can get from from watching these, uh, you know, these other guys struggle to to open a business and be successful, and and uh, you know, fight against uh, the municipalities that are, are trying to keep them down. So, <laughs> yep. all right, I think that's a good sell job, and that's going to wrap this one up. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you online, where they can watch any of your stuff, all that good stuff. Sure. Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Joe Russo tweets. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Joe Russo Graham. I'm a co-host of postmortem with Mick Garris on the dead dread central podcast network, which is available on all of the podcast apps. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you can, you can check my website out at Joe Russo film.com, uh, where you can see some of my short films. You can also see some of my features work, uh, like, you know, the aforementioned, uh, the au pair nightmare, which I, I wrote and directed, uh, and, um, nightmare cinema, which I produce, you know, and, and, you know, keep it locked in. Cause I've got four movies coming out in you know, the next year, year and a half. So, uh, follow me on socials and, and hopefully it'll be a fun ride. So. Yeah, absolutely. And as always, you can follow the show at YNF movie pod on Twitter and Instagram. Easiest thing to do, go to linktr.ee slash YNF MoviePod. Podcast platform, social media, YouTube channel, and my letterbox so you can see what I'm watching that's not being covered on the pod. Come back next week as I have Tim from 2010 Minutes coming on to tell you why Breaking should be your next favorite movie. So then you guys take care. I'll talk to you next time.